Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. Just under two weeks ago, the OPEC Plus coalition surprised markets with an announcement that it had agreed to expand its crude oil production cuts. Starting next month, it intends to further reduce production by more than 1 million barrels per day as a precautionary attempt to stabilize oil markets. Oil prices have risen sharply on the back of this announcement. But a key question facing investors is whether this price move will hold and if the cuts will have a durable impact on oil market fundamentals. To help answer these questions, I spoke to my colleague Bob Ryan last Wednesday, only a few days after the OPEC Plus announcement. Bob is BCA's chief commodity and energy strategist. Hi, Bob. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Rakai. So what do you think are the reasons behind the OPEC group's surprise decision to cut output? Is it due to a deterioration in their assessment of the global economic outlook following the bank turmoil that erupted in March? I mean, perhaps that caused them to revise down their oil demand outlook, or is it due to concerns that China's economic recovery may not boost oil demand as much as they had previously anticipated? And on this front, perhaps it's worth highlighting that China's manufacturing PMIs did fall in March. Or is it an attempt by OPEC to re-exert its control over oil markets after prices have been declining over the past few months? I think a little bit of all the above um, and a very little bit of the uh, concerns about uh, the China reopening. So I think, you know, the banking shock in the U.S. probably got everyone, I know it really leaned on the oil price, but it got everyone uh, concerned that, uh, you know, the Fed had gone too far too fast on its rate hikes and, you know, things were starting to break. And when that idea got into the mind of the market, you know, people started worrying about whether or not we were going to see demand for oil coming down as the rest of the world went into a recession. I think so far, you know, this does not appear to be systemic. The SVB uh, and other related banks, uh, it appears more to be a management failure in those banks and a uh, regulatory failure at the Fed. That's all going to change. I think the Fed is going to expand its remit somewhat and start requiring higher uh, financial standards from those smaller banks that aren't quite SIFIs, but still, you know, have a lot of uh, assets under their control. The recovery of uh, demand is still on track, even if, you know, producers are starting to worry about it a little bit, the, the oil demand. You know, today, uh, Saudi Arabia increased its official selling price, the OSP, uh, for Arab light into Asia for May. They, you know, determine those based on uh, refinery profit margins and, you know, as demand for refined products goes up and that's seen in the higher prices, you know, they feel a little bit more comfortable increasing their prices. So they're not acting as if, you know, they're uh, preparing for and and hunkering down for a, you know, big demand slowdown. All of that can change. Uh, You know, we're getting new news into the system, but uh, for right now, it doesn't look like, you know, they're terribly concerned about putting prices too high uh, for a weakening uh, Asian market. 
So I, I think that's important in terms of just the policy implications of what the OPEC plus group did. Um, I think that this is part of a, an evolution that probably begun when the Obama administration announced its pivot to Asia and was you know, going to de-emphasize its uh, concern with uh, the Middle East and the Gulf in particular. Um, that was followed through uh, during the Trump administration and then the um, Biden administration, putting, putting aside the animosity that Biden obviously has for uh, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince in Saudi, you know, the Biden folks just came in almost as cheerleaders for renewable energy and, and talking down uh, hydrocarbons. And I think that put everybody on alert uh, when dealing with the U.S. and pointed out that the things that the U.S. was doing, um, including the G7's price cap, which was designed and led by the U.S., is antithetical to their economic interests in the Gulf. So um, at that point, and, and it's been brewing a while, you know, they took the decision that they got to start asserting their own agency to look out for their own interests in exactly the same way the U.S. is and exactly the same way that China is. Right. And on this point, given that U.S. oil output is still below where it was prior to the pandemic, would you expect U.S. shale producers to now step in and fill the output gap that is left by the OPEC plus producers and in the process cause OPEC to lose market share? Or do you think that the U.S. producers are going to maintain the capital discipline and hold back on expanding output? Um, I think they will maintain uh, capital discipline first and foremost. Um, and I think they're also confronting some issues beyond their control, even if they wanted to uh, increase production. There's a labor shortage in the oil fields um, and, you know, equipment is um, scarce as well. So, um, you know, it's really tough to assemble the rigs, assemble the crews and uh, begin, you know, expanding your production really aggressively in the shales. You know, we saw some news recently that Brazilian production is down, and that was one of the areas that, uh, you know, most forecasters were expecting higher output. So, you know, it, we're getting to the point where not only is it becoming harder to increase production, but we're probably going to be living with that for a while. So, you know, as we said in our report, you know, this is evolving into a situation where it looks like OPEC, uh, the old OPEC, and some of the the OPEC plus members are going to have the field to themselves in terms of increasing uh, production to meet increasing demand because we don't really see a case for demand falling uh, significantly over the next five years or so or 10 years. It's still the most readily available source of energy, you know, hydrocarbons, fully developed infrastructure uh, globally and funding that's available, although that is becoming less uh, abundant as well. So all that works in favor of the old OPEC and some of the uh, OPEC plus members. Now, the OPEC plus announcement to cut the oil output, uh, it comes after a sharp collapse in oil prices during the banking turmoil in March, uh, which we talked about earlier. Uh, and that caused the price of crude oil to fall by over $10 a barrel. Now, just prior to the OPEC plus announcement over the weekend, oil prices were slowly starting to recover, but they have since jumped higher and now are back at levels where they were prior to the banking turmoil. So do you expect the output cuts to cause oil market fundamentals to tighten and push up oil prices on a durable basis over a cyclical time horizon? So you mentioned five to 10 year horizon, but over a more cyclical horizon, would you expect them to push up oil prices 
Or do you think that it could lead to demand destruction that would ultimately weigh down on prices? I mean, after all the old adage goes, the best cure for high prices is high prices. Yeah, uh, and, and that is true. True words were never spoken, Rakai. But they're walking a very fine line. Uh, and I think, you know, every everybody that, that relies on energy in one form or another is, is walking a very fine line right now. You know, we've got policies that are working at cross purposes. You've got, you know, the Fed trying to raise interest rates to increase slack in the economy, which they're going to do by increasing unemployment. And that's going to impress uh, aggregate demand somewhat which, you know, all else equal, will reduce demand for oil and natural gas and, you know, base metals and, and you know, the industrial commodities. And that has the effect of sending a signal to producers that, you know, demand for their output is falling. Um, probably not the best time to be increasing their capex to increase production. So they're going to pull back from uh, increasing their capex uh, as a result of that. It also, the Fed policy also has a feed through into financial conditions, so it tightens financial conditions and it raises financial stress as the banking crisis uh, showed us. Also, at the same time that's going on, you've got uh, massive fiscal stimulus going through the system right now. And most of that is coming out of the EU and the US. There are trillions of dollars being allocated to building out the uh, renewable energy sector and decarbonizing the hydrocarbon uh, energy sector. This money will be spent and the the net that we can see so far is it's going to dramatically increase demand for base metals because you don't have an energy transition to renewables without a huge amount of base metals being produced, way more than we have available right now. I think policymakers on all sides, they're setting up a world where uh, energy is scarce because the principal components required to build out renewable energy and to sustain conventional energy are being taxed mightily. And they're stimulating with fiscal policy <laughs> demand. So it, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting. It will indeed. Well, thanks again for joining me on the podcast, Bob. Thank you, Rakai. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode. <laughs>